Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Merry Christmas. It is great to see all of you here on Christmas Eve, and we are so excited to be able to celebrate together as uh, you've already heard me celebrating communion uh, together on Christmas Eve. It's interesting that we're going to be celebrating a meal uh, together as we all prepare to go and celebrate a lot of meals together. For me growing up, uh, the meal was kind of the worst part of Christmas Eve. because So we, we open our presents uh, on Christmas Eve. I don't know how many of you guys do this. Uh, from one another, and then we get the, uh, the other stuff on Sunday morning from Santa Claus, or on Christmas morning from Santa Claus. So we always open our presents on Christmas Eve, but there was a ritual to it. And so what happened is my, my grandparents would come in from out of town, they would unload their trunk full of presents. This was about three or four days before Christmas Eve, and all we could do was just shake the boxes and want for this to be there, and it was just, it created worse than anticipation. It was like obnoxiousness. So me and my brothers, we would shake the box, we would guess, we'd fight, we'd do all this stuff. And then Christmas Eve came, the night we were going to get to open our presents. But there was a problem. We had to eat dinner first. And we would eat dinner. And you can imagine, this was like the spread of all spreads, right? It's what we all do. It's like turkey, it's dressing, it's ham, it's, you know, we, it was, we had all kinds of stuff I don't have time to get into. Um, and it was just like a ginormous meal, beautifully done. And none of us could enjoy it. Do you know Why? Because all we wanted to do is get to the presence. We were just waiting on something else to happen. And nothing, everything between that point and what we wanted was a waste of time, was something we had to tolerate, something we had to endure. And we missed all the enjoyment of it. In fact, it's even worse. It's like, this is what I love about being a parent. You get to just like deliberately torture your kids at Christmas time. So this is what's going to happen to some of you. Um, we would have a rule. That, so we would get there and we would eat dinner. We had a solution. If we all eat fast, we can get presents quicker. But you know what happens. We all get done, and they go, no, 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 we got to all finish eating. And they would sit there, and they would talk, and then they would, like, we got to clean up all the dishes. So we're like, we're, like, grabbing dishes and throwing them in, right? You're just, everything you can do to get this thing moving along. And nothing worked. Like, it never worked. Do you think after, like, 10, 12, 13 years, nothing ever worked? It was just the same thing every year. And what, what we learned, what, what happens to us is we sort of get this, this idea, this thing that we're longing for, and either we just sort of give up on it, right? We give up on it. Or we sort of think that everything in between then and now is a waste of time. It's in the way of those things. And part of what Christmas is about is this idea of Advent. It's the arrival. What the Advent does, it creates a middle space. We're going to look at this just a little bit. It creates a middle space between what has been promised and what we have received. Between what we actually long for, right, and the reality of it coming true. We live in this, this space. And a lot of us, right, especially in this world, we hear the the song that the shepherds heard when the, when the angel appeared to them and said, um, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angels gather around. They say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, what? Peace and goodwill toward men. How's that working out for us? Or like, what in the world has happened? We live in this space where there's been a promise given to us. We get to experience some things, but yet there's some things that are still remaining. And most of us here, you'll have hopefully a moment tonight, but you've had these moments along where you knew there was a deep sense of peace. You knew there was something real about this peace that was promised. And then you sort of move outward and you see all kinds of other stuff that seem to come directly against us, seem to be opposed to this peace that we're all longing for and how we deal with this. This is what Advent is about. It's the, 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 way, the, the arrival of Jesus or God himself into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, and we celebrate his birth. 
But did you know that Advent, from the earliest days of the church, was not just about awaiting or celebrating his arrival in his first coming, but it was actually about anticipating his second. And we sing songs, right? We sing songs about forevermore. We, in the prayer that we've learned, we're going to say in just a minute, we talk about forevermore. And most of us, I guess I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me, I've always struggled with having a vision of forevermore. Because forevermore felt like robes and choirs and amazing grace for 10,000 years. And for someone with ADD, that just sounds like anything but heaven. And so I just put it aside. Or worse, we see these scenarios where the second coming is like just another war. It's like Armageddon. Who needs that? So there's something that happens. We either sort of dismiss it or we have to learn how to, how do we look at this? How do we see this differently? That's what I want for us to do. As we celebrate Christmas, I want us to learn for just a moment or experience for just a moment a longing for his return and then at the same time be able to enjoy the meal without sort of wasting it or wishing it away. So we've served, if you've been around for the last six weeks, we've studied the prayer uh, that Jesus modeled for us, the Lord's Prayer. Many of you perhaps know it. You've recited it. Uh, if you've been here, you've recited it every week. And so what we've used this is this prayer, not only learning how to recite it, but learning how to pray it. And we see this prayer sort of frames a reality for us. It frames a way for us to live in this middle space. It frames a way for us to, to live the activity of our lives between the incarnation and between his return. So I'm going to invite all of you to stand, and we're going to recite, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together as we prepare ourselves for communion, okay? Here we go. Let's pray together. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, guys. You may have a seat. In the beginning, and I love to think about this because this all begins in the garden. In the beginning, God was and he created. And I just think of it as this just extraordinarily powerful, beautiful light or whatever, however you imagine God that sort of emanates and goes forward and he begins creating and he begins dividing and separating light from dark and he separates the, the you know, uh, spaces to create beautiful things. And then he creates the heavens and it says he creates the earth and in the garden he places in there, on the earth he places in there a garden. And it's got these trees, multiple trees, rich with trees. Is that a good tree? Can y'all see that? And at the pinnacle of this, he creates human beings. And he puts them in the garden full of life and full of his love. And he establishes us here to rule and to reign and to contribute with him. And this was the way in which things got to be or were established and they were intended to be. So here we are dwelling with him. And what, what we would know or what we would call is this idea of shalom. This is peace. We translate it peace, but what it means literally is that everything is rightly related to everything else. There is no separation. There is no brokenness. There is no hesitation. There's just freedom to give of ourselves, to be ourselves, to, to, to live in the fullness and freedom of God's shalom, of his presence, of living in a relationship with him. And so this is how we were designed. We were designed, and most of us have heard the gospel. 
And so it starts off with bad news. It starts off with beautiful news. We were invited to contribute, to create, to participate with God. We were entrusted with his creation. That's what he intended and designed us to do. But as you all know in a private experience, human beings don't tolerate trust very well, right? And when we decided it was better for us to rule the world, we broke the world and we broke our hearts in the meantime. And it created a gap, a space between, a separation between us and God. It's a place where there's hesitation. It's a place where there's sort of this stinging sense. Isaiah would recount this or recall this in his uh, book, in his letters, prophetic writing. He says that the earth had languished in darkness, looking for something else. We're sitting there hoping that something will come, but it's not here yet, and so we're trying to occupy, entertain ourselves. And what this began was the deterioration of everything. This is the trajectory of life apart from God. It's known as death. It's the wage of sin. It's the penalty and the consequence of this separation. This is what all of us live under. We were born into a world that is just broken. And so there's this trajectory, this deterioration. Everything sort of moves in that direction. And so we're longing for this. And a lot of us, you know that you're longing. You look around, you see that the world is not right. So what you've done, decided to do, is to take matters into your own hands. And you've just sort of built and constructed your own kingdom. And depending on how proficient you are, how wealthy you are, you can do that for a while, create your own comfort, make sure that your will gets done, your kingdom comes, and all this stuff works just perfectly. But this is, the, this is what the prayer calls us to. It's his kingdom. It's his name. It's his will. We were made to live in fellowship with God. And even if you've created the world for yourself, you still look around and know that something is wrong. And then for some of you, you've gotten good and savvy, and so you know how to, we can just build the right systems, we can just do the right things, and perhaps we'll bring peace on earth the way God intended it to be. But this whole thing has nothing to do with creating the right system. The only thing that will reconcile the world is dealing with a thing that separates it. This is what Jesus came to do. If Christmas gives us anything, it gives us a perspective, it gives us a glimpse into how God does things. No God in his right mind would come to earth to redeem it, right, by sending or coming as a baby. Like you, you, come, you come with an elbow. You come to show him who's boss. You come to let him know who really rules and reigns. You want to talk about for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore? I'll show you who that is. And he comes in this obscure way. And he grows up in relative obscurity until about 30 years and he begins to talk about the fulfilling of these prophets and prophecies. And it says Isaiah would record this 800 years before the arrival of Jesus. And he says that the world languished in deep darkness. They were longing for a light. And a light has emerged. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he shall be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, the prince of peace. And you begin to see this message sort of resonate and echo, and it was fulfilled in what Jesus came and did. I think all the disciples were stoked that Jesus would be bringing peace. He was about to conquer. He was about to do what needs to be done. And then you know the story. He dies on a cross. And what you begin to see is this is just not how God does things. And what he was doing in the cross is he was reconciling the world to himself. He was redeeming that which God had intended in the beginning. 
And this is what you and I have to sort of come to grips with. Yeah, this is what communion is ultimately about. There's this middle space now that we live in. So what, what happens here, is this was the separation of heaven and earth. And what Jesus has done is he has caused these to overlap. Where that heaven and earth now sort of share this same space where there's a space in his people where you and I are sort of reconciled back to him. Our hearts are made alive and full again. And we dwell in this, this space in between where his will gets done here on earth as it is in heaven. Where God's will gets done in your head, in your heart, with your hands and your feet. Just like he's intended it to be all along. Is that possible? Like, can we really bring that? What you begin to realize is that the first advent actually allowed us to be reconciled to him in forgiveness, the forgiveness of our sins. The single most important thing that has to happen to you and to me in order for us to dwell once again is to be forgiven. And that means we have to receive what God has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. It really is that simple. There's a way in which the world can, be, can become just as God intended it to be. And it is our salvation that creates this middle space for us to live in. And we've been entrusted again. This has been our message to the church for the last two, three, four years. We've been talking about this. That the kingdom, Jesus said, is here. And he's invited us to live in it. And then he entrusts us to bring sort of his heart and his love back into the world. And so this is, this is the space, this is the place in which we live. And what it requires from you and I is it requires us to live in what we call communion. This is what when we celebrate the Lord's table, when we celebrate communion, it's about us learning how to not just receive a meal from him, but to actually live as reconciled to him. It's a place where the longing that you feel actually becomes hope. And there's some things and some ways in which we deal with this. Part of the challenge of living in this middle space is sort of living between when we're sitting at the meal and we want our presence. You have to learn how to hold a couple of things that seem to be opposed to one another. That in this world, you and I, as people, as people who pray our Father, as people who say our Father in heaven, you realize this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to reconcile you and to reconcile me to the relationship for which we have been created. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he wasn't giving you directions on how to get to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one is restored to the Father but through me. Because it is in his sacrifice that our sins are forgiven and we are reconciled once again to the relationship for which we have been made and from which everything else flows. We say this often, that you will never find your meaning and purpose apart from your relationship with God. And you will never have a right relationship with God apart from Jesus. This is what he invites us into. This is what we're gonna sort of look at and celebrate and process together. For some of you, you're here and you're not really sure what you believe. We're gonna give you a chance to process that. But I was thinking about this, because in this middle space, we have to hold beauty and brokenness. We have to hold grief and joy. We have to hold the pain of the world in the light of God's love in some way that redemption begins to happen or occur. We've been entrusted once again. Just as we were in the beginning, he's entrusted us now with his grace and his mercy and his message and his heart and his love and his image in a redeemed way. 
reconciling the world to himself. It's interesting, I've long ago sort of not really considered the second coming for a lot of reasons. As I've been thinking about this, the second coming is the redemption of this. Right now we live in this middle space. We live in this space between. If you read the Bible, you'll notice things in there. And there's one particular passage in 1 Corinthians 15 that I, it's a, it's a familiar passage because it says, uh, O death, where's your sting? O death, where's your victory? Live, you've heard that before. But before that, it says, when Jesus finishes, he's going to return the kingdom to the Father. It's a return. And he says, in there, in that day, right, there won't be this overlap. But instead, there will be nothing that separates us from him, and the world will once again be as it was intended to be. What that does for me is it gives me hope that somehow every act of faith, every time I bring grace, every time I extend God's love, it's helping to build and to restore this day that is yet to be. And rather than just wishing this moment and this season and this pain and this brokenness, what I learn is that somehow peace on earth isn't something that happens to us, but rather it is something that happens through us. And every single thing that we do brings that to bear on the world. This is the best news that the human heart can hear, that you have been made right with God, or a way has been made to be made right with God. The way we do this, this is exactly what the meal means, is to remember and to confess. And some of you already feel guilty because I said the word confess. You're like, oh God, I gotta list all the cuss words I said this morning trying to get the ham out of the oven. I got, you know, you got the list going on already. It's not what it is. To remember in this way is to enter. You do not have to be afraid of the brokenness that you feel or the brokenness of this world. You do not have to be afraid. You don't have to wish it away. You do not have to pretend that it doesn't bother you. None of those things. You just, you just enter right in. You just enter right in. To remember is more than to just recall things, but to feel things, to let our emotions be moved, to let ourselves be awakened. And then number two is it's to confess, and to confess is way more than to list your sins, although that's, that's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. To confess is to agree to agree that we've been intended to live and to dwell with God, and this is communion. Communion is, is life in the middle space. That's what it is. For you to live intimately with the Father, simple and beautiful and whole and free in moments, even in the middle of the chaos that surrounds us. As we agree that, God, we don't live the way we were intended to live. We aren't yet the way we were intended to be. And we acknowledge that, we agree with that. We avail ourselves to his forgiveness and his grace by naming our sins and refusing to hide them, refusing to justify them. How many of you have patterns in your lives that you know aren't healthy, they're not contributing shalom to the relationships, but you keep saying, well, if you had my family, you would be like this too. If you had my job or if you had my stress, if you were like me, you would, and we keep justifying it, or we hide it and pretend that it's not what it is. 
The beauty of the gospel is you don't have to do anymore because you are fully known. When you are fully known, it means you're fully known. Like everything's already there. Just, just bring it. That's, that's what confession is. It's the freedom to say, God, here it is. This is what confession is. It's a freeing thing. And I love this. And we're going to give you some time to reflect on this. Because the line, and I'll, I'll just, this is one of my, it's, it's been on repeat in my playlist for three years. But it just introduces a picture of this, take me back to the garden. The place where I first saw your face and heard your voice. The place where I responded to your invitation. This is communion. This is the place where I'm fully known. I'm not inviting you to share a meal, although we're going to do that in just a minute. I'm inviting you to live in a reconciled relationship with the Father and to discover the life for which you have been created. So I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna just let God speak to you. If you're here and you have trusted Jesus, just ask him to see you. If you're here and you have not trusted Jesus, I want to ask him to reveal himself to you. Would you be open to him? Just let the words and the message of this song sort of serve as an invitation for you as we come together in just a few moments and we share communion together. Father, I thank you for Advent, for your first arrival, that you would come in a miraculous way and you would die for our sins and you would be raised to bring us life. But God, it's not just a religious transaction. It's a redemption of what we have been created for. God, would you awaken that in our hearts? For those who are here and they do not know you or trust you, I ask that you would, in your grace, just draw them. Maybe it's a tear. Maybe it's a unsettledness. Oh, let us meet you in this moment. This is communion. This is where we have been created to be. So speak to us, won't you? Doesn't that feel good? Just for a moment. Here's what I imagine. As Jesus was there with his disciples, it was a very familiar meal. It was centered on the exodus from slavery. It was the pronouncement of a new covenant where dead things come back to life. Like, I know I, the reason I love this song, right? I sit there, I just think about this is where dead things come back to living. This is where my heart beats again. You can just feel something happening. Before we do this, I, I, if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, I want to tell you, I get it. I get it. I don't want you to feel pressure to do something that you're not sure that you believe or not. So the reason, part of the reason we use these is because you can take this home. And there's no shame in that. Our mission is to help you 
walk, not to force you to do anything. So put it on your desk or put it on your dresser as a reminder that his invitation, he came to us for us. He came to you for you. So you just see it as a reminder, and when you're ready to respond, we would, you call us, let us know, do it by yourself, whatever you want. We would love for you. We'd love to help you take your first steps with him. If you're here and you're like, you know what? Today, I think, is the day. Then you can, like, open this up. Because this is what's beautiful about this. Jesus took a meal they were familiar with, and he gave it a new meaning. And so in there, if you, there's the bread and there's the cup. And the bread was his body, which was broken for us. And in fact, it's, you know, they would, the Jewish custom, they would break the bread. They would break it. It was just this symbol. When Jesus tore the bread, I think he knew what was coming. I know he knew it was coming. And so it carried a rich meaning for them. And he knew that his broken body would be the final sacrifice to end the separation that sin has to bring forgiveness to you and to me if we would receive. And what he offers in a, in a meal, in the symbolism, isn't you don't just intellectually nod and say, oh, I think that tastes good. You actually take it in and experience it. That's, that's the picture. So when he says, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me, he's saying, enter into the reality that you have been forgiven and there is nothing that separates you from him. Nothing. Not your shame, not your guilt, not what you did, nothing. It's done. So remember that. And for some of you, this is the first time You've done this for the first time in a long time. Would you heed Jesus' invitation to believe and to receive and take and eat, proclaiming his forgiveness for our sins? The cup, it's going to take us a while longer, isn't it? The cup. (laughs) Is actually perhaps the it's just beautiful how this works together. So the bread is what has been done. The cup is the way we live that out. It's a new covenant. It's a new covenant. You know what the new covenant is? It says there's a day coming when his law will be written on our hearts, that our hearts will be awakened again to his ways. And that we will belong to him the way we were intended to from the beginning. 
and that he will remember our sins no more. And so this is the way we're going to live. This is, what, this is the covenant we're going to live in. And as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim that our lives are found in him until all the lines are removed. And we get to experience that fully and freely, his final justice forever. So would you take, would you drink, receiving and declaring the new covenant reigns in your life? God, would you give us vision for the gospel in a new way, in a fresh way? As we declare and celebrate the birth of a king, we long for the return of a king. And until then, we live under your rule and in your reign on earth the way that you have intended it to be. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's stand as we celebrate uh, this last song and declare that what has been brought to us is truly a gift and miraculous, and let's live in that. Here we go.